We would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can be seated for just a moment. Aren't you thankful that he didn't come for just part of you? He came to die for all of you, that all of us might be redeemed and changed. Paul said, I'm being sanctified from glory to glory, from that encounter of him to the next encounter of him. I'm challenged to be what I'm not. I'm changing. And look, if you're never challenged in your walk with God, I, 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 I've got issues I got issues with me not being challenged because I'm not there yet. And if you're there, pray for me. But I'm not there yet, and I am being changed. I'm being transformed by the power and the Spirit of God, and it is a daily walk with Him. It's a daily journey with Him. And I, I, I want to encourage you as we go through our time together today that you're, you would just be open to what God has for you. Um, last week, uh, we were beginning our new series called The Power of Love, and, and uh, the Lord had a different plan, and, and so he did something a little bit different. So today, I'm just kind of bringing us briefly through part one, and I'm going to bring us on into uh, to the heart of what we're talking about. We were in the we didn't get past the introduction too good last week, but we're basing this off of John chapter one verses one through five, and also verses ten through eighteen. If those are our anchor verses for uh, what we're talking about today, and and uh, we're we're going to talk about this word being made flesh, the power, love being made. Uh, are exemplified in us, shown to us. Um, last week I shared with you there are, there's three things that's been in my spirit for many weeks, and this is where we really didn't get past, but three things. The Lord's been, three words he's been talking to me, he's been talking to me about distraction, um, availability, and vulnerability, that we are distracted by a lot of things right now. We're distracted by a whole lot of stuff in life. Life is going, uh, you know, by fast. I, I look and, you know, I will say this, um, the Lord did challenge me in my walk uh, this past week. I shared this on Wednesday nights. By the way, Wednesday night classes are going on, youth group upstairs, middle school through high school, college and career classes going on in the fellowship hall, and then the young adult class and the senior adult class are meeting with me here in the sanctuary, and then we have our elementary class. We've got classes for every age, so come out, be with us on Wednesday nights. We're getting that going again, and we had a great Wednesday night in here, uh, and one of the things I shared with my class on Wednesday night was just simply that that in this this moments of being uh, challenged by the Lord about distraction, availability, and vulnerability, God is beginning to show me uh, areas in my life that that I've been too occupied with. Look, there's things that need to change. Anybody got something in their life needs to change? Uh, you know, you're working. Maybe you got a bad temper. Maybe you got, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, whatever it may be. Uh, fill in the blank. Maybe you know. Maybe you're you, you say God's working on that with me. Um, God is dealing with my life about that, and and so uh, God's working on you. But the problem is we're so distracted with that problem, we, we're not releasing it to God to deal with it. In other words, we're trying to fix it. And, and, and I've found that I can't fix me. Only God can fix me. Only God can help me to, to deal with those areas that are, I'm challenged with in my life. And, and guess what? And, it, and he's not 
sitting back saying, you're on your own, and when you figure it out, I'll, then I'll help you. No, he wants to help you all the way through that process. So uh, being distracted, being available uh, uh, to, to God's Spirit. In other words, I want to be at his disposal. I want to I hear his voice, and when he moves on me to do something, I want to respond to it. Amen? And I want to do what God says. And then we talked about vulnerability, that, that we, you know, we need to be open to God about what we're dealing with in our lives. God, God sees it anyway knows it anyway and religion will say well you know I'll deal with this and get it cleaned up then I'll bring it to God and God says no bring it to me in all its messiness bring it to me and all of its you know everything ugly about it and I will deal with it the way it is instead of you trying see that's the problem I think with religion is you try you got to try to get clean enough to go before God and God says you can never get clean enough on your own that's why I sent my son to die on the cross so that you can come boldly into my presence even uh with the things that you that you know need to change, so we talked about that, and then uh, then we 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 kind of the Lord took over, and that was it. And so I'm going to bring you guys kind of up to speed today. So if you uh, uh, or bear with me, we're going to talk about that today. Uh, John one verses one through five. Let's read that real quickly. And it says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him." was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the, in the, in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Then uh, verses 10 through 18, if you'll skip to that, says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all that who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, or some translations say the sons of God, who were born not uh, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the, son, the only son uh, from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him, speaking of John the Baptist, and cried, this was he of whom I said, who, ranks, uh, who, uh, who comes after me, ranks before me, because because he was before me for from his uh, from his fullness we have received grace upon grace beautiful verse we've received because of Jesus grace upon grace anybody got grace in their life and when you didn't think you deserved any more get a little more grace amen grace upon grace and then he goes a step further for the law was given through Moses grace and truth came through Jesus Christ no one has ever seen God the only God who is at the father's side he has made him known. The revelation of who he is was demonstrated through his son Jesus Christ. When he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He wasn't say that, saying that, that uh, we're, you know, I, I am the Father made flesh. No, he said, I am the Word made flesh. I was in the beginning. In other words, Jesus is a, a, a person of God. In other words, he is the Son of God. In other words, I can't be my own son. Come on. He was the son of God and he came, became flesh and he dwelt among us and now I want you to know because of that though there is power in words. Look at somebody beside you and say there's power in your words. 
Now, we're not going to go, uh, I'm not into the word of faith. I think there's holes in that theology, more holes you could strain spaghetti in it. Um, there, it, it, is, it is full of holes. So I don't believe in this, speak it and it comes and claim it and it happens. But I do believe there are power in the words that we pray. What words? The word of God being prayed. If you don't pray scripture, you're missing a great blessing in your life. If you, if you want a, a really powerful thing to do, pray the book of Psalms. Not just read the book of Psalms, but pray the book of Psalms. It's a powerful thing. Now, I want to go uh, into this and I want to talk to you about how words have lost their meaning. I want you to look at somebody and say, words just don't mean what they used to mean. If you don't help me preach, you ain't never eaten. So I say, words just don't mean what they used to mean. If you found that to be true, words don't mean the same as they used to mean. The word I love you doesn't mean what it did in my generation. If, you told, if, if, if I was dating somebody and I told them I love you, that was a huge step in the relationship. Okay? Nowadays, it don't mean anything. You could say, I love you, and it may, you know, I, somebody, listen, young ladies, he might say he loves you, but he also loves his dog. He might say he loves you, but he also loves ice cream. All right, you need to understand the words love don't hold the weight they used to hold because the, in our society we have, we have made words ineffective. They don't hold the effect that they did in the time of the Bible. When the Bible was written, words were powerful. We're going to get to that in just a moment. And, and by understanding that, we'll get a little bit closer. In other words, it's a loose meaning. In other words, we've diluted the truth of what it means to say I love you. Okay. Um, in, in other words, uh, in, in psychology today, it says that uh, using the word love just saves us the trouble from having to figure out what we actually feel. So since I don't know what I feel, I'll say I love it. Okay. And I love it doesn't mean, you know, I, I love a lot of things. Okay, that's where we're at in our society. Um, I, I want you to know God, he differentiates that. We have one word for love in, in the English language. That's it. That's love. That's no other word for love but love. But in the Greek language, they said that's more complicated than that. There's three words for love. One means sexual love, one means friendship love, and one means uh, an undying devoted love, a godly love, willing to do anything, agape love. And every time Jesus used the word love, he spoke in agape. Love. In other words, I will sacrifice myself. I love you that much. Uh, unfortunately, not always did his disciples respond to him that way. A lot of times they use the word philios, which means I love you like a friend. You're my, you're, you're my dude. I hang out with you. You're my bro. But you are not. You, you know, I don't love you to the point I'd die for you. I wouldn't take a bullet for you, Jesus. And Jesus says, that's right, you wouldn't die for me, but I'm going to die for you. And when you realize how much I love you, you're going to take on that same love. And when you begin to love each other the way I have loved you. It's going to send a revival around the world. I've got news for you. It worked during the time of the disciples. It'll work during the time of today. And if we'll begin to love the way God wants us to love, it'll spend a revival throughout the land. It'll spark a revival. But we got to love genuinely and truthfully. And love needs to mean what it's meant to mean. In the Hebrew definition of love, we do not choose our parents or siblings, but, uh, but are insisted on giving us the gift uh, uh, from above. In other words, in the Hebrew language, they, they, that, that when they say they love their children, they, they meant this is a gift from above. We love them because it was given of God. I want you to know children are still given of God. Your kid may be acting demon-possessed right now, but they're still God's gift to you. All right, just rebuke them in the name of Jesus and move on. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever felt like that in the name of Jesus. Come out of that. 
that, that baby of mine, I know that's a gentle, spirit, sweet child. I know we well, had good nicknames that come out of them. I'm talking about your brother, not you. So anyway, <laughs> not today. So, But anyway, you may feel like at times that you, you're, you're, you, you don't understand, but they're a gift from God. And they were so much that, that they said, love means given from God. That's what I mean. But in the Western culture, the, deeper of the, the deepening of the meaning was done away with. In other words, how are you doing? You're, I'm fine. I'm fine. Look at somebody and say, how you doing? If you're trying to go out with them, you go, how you doing? You know, anyway, you know, how you doing? You, I'm fine. I'm all right. It's okay. No, no, no. How many times have you told somebody you're okay and you knew you just lied? Come on. How you doing? Tomorrow morning will be a good test of that on Monday. You get in there and you're like, how you doing today? Oh, I'm fine. Forgive me, Jesus. I just told one. No, I'm fine. When we ask... <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> sometimes, y'all forgive me. When we ask, do we really want to hear uh, how that person's doing? Come on, do you really want to, when you ask somebody how they're doing on a Monday morning and you're trying to get where you're going, do you really want them to stop and say, well, let me tell you how I'm doing? No, you don't. It's like, hey, I, I really got to go do what I need to do and get this job started and get out of here because I'm wanting to leave on time today. No, no, you just don't understand. My dog got run over. He's going to live, but he got run over. He lost a leg. We're going to call him tripod. You know, that kind of thing. You don't want to hear. Sorry. You don't want to hear about that. Some of y'all just now getting that. That's sad. That's sad. We're going to move on. Some of y'all sitting there going, are you supposed to laugh in church? The Bible says laughter does good like a medicine. I got news for you. We're going to get somewhere before we're done. I put a little bit of little sugar with a medicine because we got something to say today. I believe God does. What if we're having a really good day, but that person is having a really bad day? Do we want to hear what they have to say? Come on. How many of you have been having a really good day and you ask somebody how they're doing and they decide to really tell you how bad their day is and all of a sudden you're like, Ugh, my day ain't so great. No, we, want, we, we are a very casual, superficial society. I shared this Wednesday night and I want to tell you um, that... Um, What's disturbing to me is, is if, if most relationships are superficial on the surface. Um, they, they really are. At the beginning, they're superficial. In other words, um, you like that person because they're nice looking. You like that person because, and I'm not just talking about dating relationships. Or I'm talking about even friendships. I, I like that person because they're funny and they make people laugh. I like, I, I, they're the kind of person I, I hang out with them. And so we're drawn to people for different reasons by initial attraction. But after a while, the, when that initial attraction, that superficial attraction is over with, then we begin to process. It's called gathering information. And what we're doing is we're trying to find out more about them. Who's your parents? Where you go? You go to church? You know, those kind of things. Uh, what do you like? You know, and we're gathering in information. And, and uh, I shared Wednesday night that a lot of times that's where the church has failed is that we have seen people get saved. And I don't want you to go out here thinking I'm belittling the cross. I'm not. But if you think that the cross is the only thing there is to Jesus, that's a sad superficial view of who Jesus was. He was not just a fire insurance policy. He wasn't just trying to keep you from going to hell. I would sign up. Who would sign up in this room? I, every one of us did. You know what? I, I heard the preacher preach. He said, hell's a real place. It's not a very pleasant place. It's on fire. People don't burn up. They, they suffer for eternity. They don't ever die. Guess what? He said, Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. I'm there, man. 
Sign me up. I don't want to go to that place. So people initially give their hearts to Jesus, not because he's going to transform their life continually or he's going to walk with them. They, I don't want to go to hell. Anybody would be honest enough with me to sign up. That's why you first got, came to Jesus. You, you wanted to get saved. You just didn't want to go to hell. Come on. That, about five of us. The rest of y'all, y'all knew there was a deeper life of discipleship and all that good stuff. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I, I knew exactly what that meant. No, you just didn't want to go to hell. Amen. I just didn't want to go to hell. But guess what? After that process, we begin to gather information. And the problem is, information's coming from someplace. Someplace. And so, and we've left people on their own to figure out how to be followers of Jesus. And then they wake up and realize that my theology is based on staying out of hell. And I don't know how to make it through the rest of life. And I'm here to tell you today the church has a great thing that we, a challenge ahead of us to see true disciples rise up in this hour. Instead of being upset over 2020, instead of cursing 2020, why don't we start thanking God for 2020 and saying, okay, Lord, you had a purpose in it. I'm going to bless your name and if it's for this nation to repent then so be it whatever it takes we want to be Lord yours here I am you can have it all it's got to be more than just a song that we sing amen more than just the surface in other words we don't want people to share how they really are because we might get depressed too amen anybody ever bring your day down by telling you how bad theirs was yeah yeah, they can do, that can happen. In other words, we're good with people saying they're fine. God is not good with you coming to him and saying you're fine. God is not good with you just having a surface relationship with you. He is calling to you into a relationship with love 57 times. Look at somebody say 57 times. 57 times John writes the word love in his writing, the Gospel of John. 57 times he's saying what? God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. What is he trying to do? He's trying to make a point. He's trying to drive it home with us that God is head over and heels in love with you. And he wants you to be head over heels in love with him. And realize every good gift in your life is not because of you, but because of him. I don't know if anybody wants to praise him for that today, but he's given me some great things because of his love for me amen I wouldn't have what I have if I had not first if he had not first loved me but 57 times he shares this the purpose of the book of John is found in John 20 verses 30 through 31 which says now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus Christ the son of God is the son of God that by believing you may have life in his name life in his name, life, not just eternal life, life in his name. I want you to know I love my life. Yeah, I go through stuff just like you go through stuff. Last week, you, some of you may have realized, some of you may not, I was in excruciating pain in, in both services, and it was so bad I had to, to have a fill-in to do the baptism for me uh, because I had pulled a muscle in my back. Thank God I'm better today. I give God praise for that. I feel a whole lot better, but I want you to know, last week, I was hurting, but God was still good. God is still good. I go through stuff like you go through stuff. Preachers don't have an inside track. Guess what? I did. I, I really got ripped off. I feel like because when I said, "Lord, I will be, you know, I accept my call to preach," I didn't get some inside path to heaven. 
that nobody else got. As a matter of fact, I realized I was going to probably have it a little bit tougher because the enemy was going to come against me because what if he can smite the shepherd, he can scatter the flock. And you say, what do you mean by that? I mean, you watch how many people have been affected by the fall of ministers. By the fall of ministers, when they failed the Lord and people just scattered, give up on church. There's people right now sitting at home bitter and angry and hurt because something happened. I've got news for you. That, that person was a person, but Jesus was the Son of God. And that's what John was saying. He was the Son of God. Don't you put him on the level of a man. Don't you keep him on the level of a man. He was the Son of God. The Son of God. Resurrected in power. And in his name is life. Life. Hold on to that. We're going to go with it. All right. But these are written so that you may believe. Amen? Some of us need to believe who Jesus said that he was who he said he was. Oh, I do believe. I'm going to heaven. No. I'm telling you, you need to believe. Amen? I, I, I believe strongly in a lot of things. Okay? I can say I know. How many of you, how many of you know who uh, the president is? Really? Only three or four of you know who the president is? Donald Trump. Okay. How many of you now you know? Who, how many knows who the president is? But how many of you know the president? Okay. A lot of people know who Jesus is, but they don't know Jesus. We need to know Jesus. This is an invitation in the book of John for you to get beyond the surface of saying, I know that's Jesus. I know he died on the cross. I know that he said he, he, he died on the cross and the Bible says that he rose again and that he saved my soul. I, I know, I know that, but you need to get beyond that to a deeper walk with him. And John is inviting you to have life in this name, to have hope in this name, to walk in the presence of Jesus, not the Jesus of the past, that walk the earth but the Jesus of the present who's still with us today the Holy Spirit's still in this room today I'm here to tell you we got life in him we got to live in that life we got to live in it amen he goes on in this passage of scripture in John 1 1 he says he is the logos he is the word made flesh and 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 dwelt among us in other words that word love simply means he was present Amen? When all things begin. When all things begin. All right? There is power in words. I told you we'd get back to it. I didn't lose it this time. Sometimes I go down that rabbit hole and forget it. But anyway, we're here. Words have so much power in the Hebrew language that they had fewer words than most languages. There is only 10,000 words in the entire Hebrew language. Did you know that? That's not a lot of words. You said, yes, it is. 10,000 words. That's a lot of words. I probably never used 10,000 words. Well, the Greeks didn't think it was enough words because their language has 200,000 words. Okay? So you've got the Hebrew language with 10,000 words. You've got the Greek language with 200,000 words. Guess how many words we got in the English language? Okay? In the English language, we have a few more words than 200,000. A few more. We have a million and counting in the English language. A million accounts. Every year, 54,000 words are added to the English language. Uh, and, and I'm good to speak the few I know. I mean, come on. Give me a break. 54,000. Used to, when I was in, you know, in college, I would look up one very difficult word uh, to just throw it into a sentence somewhere to watch everybody be amazed. In other words, what's that word mean? Some of you don't know what leclusive recidivism means. But it's a medical term for a, a state of continually falling backwards. Okay? All right? I didn't know what it meant either, but it was really cool to say. 
It's really cool to work into. 5,400 words are added to our language every day. I'm going to give you a full of the, uh, a few of these added for this year. You ready? Um, a few of them. How about awesome sauce? That is officially part of the English language now. Aren't we proud? Aren't we proud? Okay. <laughs> this is sad. Beer o'clock, wine o'clock. It's officially part of the English language. The word butt dial is part. Does that not sum up the, the society we live in right now? We, we, let's make that part of our language. That's so important. And believe me, I'm skipping a few. So, what are you saying? Okay, mic drop. Drop the mic. That is now officially a part of your language. You should be so proud. And then last of all, snackable. I thought it was already there. But it wasn't till, t- till this year. So now when you say snackable, you are actually official. You're official. What's that got to do, Pastor? Uh, I, I, I can't help but think of Matthew 6, 7. Matthew 6, 7 says this. And he's instructing the disciples when they pray. He says, and when you pray, do not babble like the heathen, since they think they will be heard because of their many words. Hmm. One million and counting. And some of us don't realize the most powerful words we could ever say towards God is, be the savior of my soul, but be the liver of my life. Live out my life in me. Okay? One million and counting, and we're lost to pray for five minutes. One million and counting. In other words, somebody says, well, pastor, how much should we pray? I believe what they were, I believe what, what, what was really the point of Jesus in Matthew was simply this. Get to the point when you talk to God. Get to, you ever been with somebody who walks around the earth three or four times to get to the point? You know what I'm talking about. You know, anybody been in an old time testimony service? I'm not talking about a good one. I'm talking about when, I, when we used to do those very often, I kind of cringed because you never knew what was going to happen next. And some of the testimonies that I have heard in my lifetime went something like this. I want to thank the Lord for saving, sanctifying me, and filling me with his precious Holy Ghost. I also want to thank the Lord that today I got up, and when I got up today, I was sleeping late, and my alarm went off, and, and I hit snooze, and I slept too late, and then I got up, and when I got in the car, the car wouldn't start, and, and uh, you know, I finally got the car started, and I drove to work, and I got to work, and I realized, you know, it, the, that it was a holiday, and so I turned around, and I went back to the house, and y'all pray for my cousin's best friend's roommate, Joe, because he's sick. You say, that's, that's not true. I've heard those. And I guarantee you, if you've ever pastored a church, you've heard those types. In other words, words, just words. And you're like, oh, Joe. <laughs> Joe, okay, Joe needs prayer. That's what I'm getting. That's what I'm picking up here. Wow, you discern the spirit wonderfully, pastor. Thank you. <laughs> Joe. No, listen. Jesus wants us to get to the point. And the sad reality is the one who already knows the point has to hear what I have to say to get to the point. And sometimes I don't even get to the point. 
And he says, then why did you even approach me? If all you're going to do is pray to mark off prayer off your daily chore list. Let's get to the point, Phil. What do you need today? God, my communication's not right with my spouse. Get to the point, Phil. God, I'm having doubts about your very existence today. Get to the point, Phil. God, today, I don't want to get out of bed because I just don't want to face the people I work with today. God, you know they push my buttons. Get to the point with God. And if we'll begin to get to the point with God, I wonder what will begin to happen because he don't need you to get to the point for his sake. He needs you to get to the point for your sake. Because when you get to the point with him and you get real with him, and we go back to that word vulnerable, when I get rid of the religious robes and the religious hubbub and all the things I want to put up, the smoke screen, to think I'm fooling God into thinking I'm somebody I'm not, and he sees me for who I am, honest and true, then the honest and true God can come to my rescue and begin to minister to the things that need to be ministered to. But we got to shed all of this stuff that is just fake and not real because I'm here to tell you we need revival in the land. We need a move of God in America. We need a good move of God in our homes and it's not going to happen till we get open and honest and real with this God that we serve who's saying get to the point. You're using a million words to say one, forgive me. Lord, forgive my soul. Forgive me. Help me. Be real with God so he can get real with you. Amen? Amen? He did that in John. In John, (laughs) I love it. He feeds the 5,000. More than 5,000, that was just the men. They didn't count the women and children. So you think about that. It's been estimated it could have been upwards of 14,000 people that Jesus fed with a little boy's Lunch was pretty awesome. It was so awesome that he told the disciples who didn't believe that he could, they were like, what in the world? You, know, we, we, you want us to buy food for all these people? We ain't got no money. And Judas was like, you're right, we broke because he kept the money. Treasury's empty, Lord. We couldn't buy enough. Even if we had, denaro is the words used, 300, but it breaks down to 200 silver coins. We couldn't buy enough food for everybody to have a pinch of bread is what they were getting at. They said, and then all of a sudden, Andrew says, hey, but we got this little boy, and he's got these five barley loaves and these two fish, and the Lord says, give them to me, make the people sit down. He blesses the bread, he breaks the bread, he gives it to the disciples, the disciples give it to the people. The people don't just get enough to eat, they get their fill, the Bible says. And then he tells the disciples, he says, go take up the leftovers, and they take up 12 baskets full. Each of the, each of the doubting disciples got to carry home a souvenir. Think about that. Twelve baskets, twelve disciples, each of them carrying a basket full of the remainders. What's that tell me? When my God moves, he's a God of overflow. He's going to give you above and beyond what you ask in his name. Okay? 
The people are so stirred by this, they're ready to take him by force and make him a king. Jesus perceives this. He goes away alone to the mountain, tells the disciples, go to the other side of the lake. What should have taken them about an hour's time, an hour's journey, depending on how the wind goes. Guess what? The Bible says a wind went contrary to them, and it took them, they rode four miles to get to their destination and didn't make any progress. Ever felt that way? God says, I'm going to do something that's waiting for you on the other side. You say, no problem, I'm headed to the other side. And then everything in your life contradicts you getting to the other side. Everything. Jesus comes walking on the water, pretty cool. Come on. <laughs> Boy, don't get, over, don't get desensitized to the scripture because you've heard it since a child. He's walking on H2O. Okay, I dare any of you to go down to the river and show me. That's pretty cool. He gets in the boat and immediately they're at their destination. That's the really cool thing to me. What took them four hours, or they had rowed all night, couldn't get four, four miles worth of rowing all night long, exhausted, and Jesus is there in an instant with you. Guess what? When you finally get him in the boat in the midst of your storm, he's going to get you where he promised you he'd take you. But you'll never get there rowing alone. All right, they get to the other side, and the Bible says all of a sudden the crowd realizes he ain't here. The next morning they say, we got to find him. They find boats. They go and they find him. Multitude follows Jesus. They get to where Jesus is, and he says, the only reason you came here is because you got your bellies filled. The only reason is the superficial. You didn't come because I hold the words of life and I am the bread of life. And he goes into his whole sermon on the bread of life and then he begins to tell them to eat his flesh and drink his blood and they're like, we're out. You would have too. I would have too. They leave and Jesus looks at his disciples and said, will you go too? And Peter speaks up and says, where would we go? For you have the words of eternal life. God wants you to go beyond the surface to a passion with Him. You have to listen to His words. You say, I don't know, Pastor. My life is full of nothing. My life is full of darkness. My life is full of... Uh, I just don't know where I'm headed. I don't know where I'm going. I'm, I, I just don't know. I see darkness. I see death. I don't see... I know God's there. I know He is. But I just wish He'd show Himself. And we're looking when we should be listening. We're looking for a sign when we ought to be listening to what he's saying because there's power in his words. How powerful are his words? He was the word made flesh and dwelt among us. He said in the beginning he was with God and he was God. He is God. In other words, the Son is fully God. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. People get really confused on that. Once you look at somebody, once you ask them, say, do you have a mind? They probably say sometimes. Do you have a body? Come on, ask them. And do you have a soul? Yes, you do. You are three in one, just as he is three in one. All three are you, but one person, one God. Okay? You are three distinct divisions of yourself. You are body, mind, and spirit. He is, but you're just one you. Amen? He is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God. 
He's the Word made flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the Word. And we're getting ready to wrap this up, but I want you to hear me. In the beginning was the Logos, the Word. Okay? Now I'm going to teach you a fancy word because you're going to feel really good when you know it and you'll be able to sh just throw it out there anytime you want and people are going to look and say, wow, you're so smart. I'm going to teach you a Latin word today. And it's a really cool word. So everybody say X. Nahilo. Nahilo, not Nahala. That's, that's a river in North Carolina. Anyway, X Nahilo. X Nahilo means out of nothing. And God looked upon the face of the deep. In the beginning, God said, Logos. Some of us need God to speak. And we're looking and we're seeing a lot of nothing. But our God looked in the middle of nothing and said, let there be. And there was. God, I don't know how my marriage will get restored. I don't know how my relationship with my kids will get restored. I just don't know how we're going to get through this financial crisis. God, I just don't know. Lord God, I pray and I'm worried to death about the safety of my family. I'm worried about this, the sickness that's going around. I'm worried about this. Lord, what when we, with so much in life is hitting you. You know where it's at and you can fill in the blanks. And God says, if you'll just take a moment, I'll speak to the darkness. If you'll just take a moment, I will speak where there is nothing and something will happen. What are you saying, Pastor? There's an illustration I've used several times about a story of a great artist who decided to challenge God to a, a, a contest of creation. He said... You know, I'm pretty good, God, at creating myself. I can, any piece of wood, stone, marble, I can chisel any work of art. I can create anything I want. And he said, so I challenge you to see who can make the best sculpture. God says, your own, I'll do it. The, the artist gets the slab of marble. He takes his mallet and he takes his chisel and he's getting ready to strike. And God says, whoa, 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 make your own rock. Some of y'all get that at lunchtime. <laughs> what is he saying? He's saying the greatest minds that create on this earth can only rearrange what God created. You say, that's an awesome painting. What, what creativity. Look at what they've created. All they did is take the things that God made and rearrange them to their creation. They didn't truly create. They didn't, they didn't ex nihilo. They didn't speak out of nothing. You say, there's nothing left of my home. There's nothing left of my marriage. There's nothing left of my relationships with my kids. Or there's, I've lost my relationship with my parents. I'm here to tell you, out of nothing, God will stand and he will say, let there be. Let there be. And when he speaks, he, listen, and when he speaks, the nothing has to respond to the voice of the creator. And I'm going to tell you, great things happen because he looked into my life where it was covered in sin. And I said, I need your forgiveness and I need your grace. And he said, let there be forgiveness. Let there be restoration. Let there be hope. Let there be a future. Let there be a destiny. Let there be life in my name. Let there be.
the logo, the Word made flesh. Will you stand? There was a great Greek philosopher that once was on this earth and he said, I want you to listen to what he said. One can never step into the same river twice. Yeah, I can. I can go down here and I can put my foot in the Chattooga River and then I can walk out of the Chattooga River and I can get back in the Chattooga River. So he's stupid. He don't know what he's talking about. Well, you got to think deep like these guys thought. No, what he was saying is, I can put my foot in that river today and then I can go have lunch and go put my foot into that river again, but it's not the same river because the water's already moved. God says, you can experience me at the cross. Oh, but the river's moving. And if you want to go back to me, you're going to experience me in a new way. Because you're being changed from grace to grace, glory to glory, moment to moment, encounter to encounter. I am being sanctified into the image of Him who died for me on the cross. And so this relationship we have with Jesus is meant to be alive. And when I go to Him, in other words, have you ever read a verse in the Bible and then a month later, a week later, a month, a year, you read the same verse and you get something totally different out of it? You're like, well, I didn't see that the last time I read that verse. What's, you know, how, I, this is totally different from the first time I read this verse. It's because you're not reading it with the same eyes. For we're being changed into His image, so it's new eyes reading it fresh. You're being changed. And if you're not being changed, if you're not being made into His image, you're going to stagnate. And you're going to lose hope. There are a lot of Christians, or at least people, you know, I don't even like the word Christian. I really do not like that word. Because I told you, words have lost their meaning in our world. Used to Christian meant something. Now it's a label that we wear. And people can act like the devil. They can carry on all kinds of foolishness, but they're a Christian. There's more to being a Christian than just a label or a title. I'm going to tell you what. You say, well, if you don't like Christian, then what do you... I like to call myself a, a follower. I'm following after Him. I'm following Jesus. I'm a Christ follower. Well, isn't it the same thing? No. Not in our world. It's changed. We think just because... And if you've done this, I don't know, so don't get on to me. I've done it before. But the, our, our Christian experience has come down to a candle, an open Bible, and a cup of coffee steaming, and a picture to go on social media. Quiet time with Jesus. Praise God. That's our Christian experience. That's sad. That's sad. It's got to be more than that. Are you against me doing that? Oh man, I had a good one for Monday. Go ahead, put it up. I'll like it. You know, there you go. What are you saying? I no, you're missing the point. It's about relationship. I want to have a relationship with people that I pastor. I want to have a relationship with people. I'm God sent His Son to have a relationship with us, not just something to check off your list. In other words. I had somebody tell me this week, they said, you know, I read the Bible. Even when I was living 
in sin. I would read the Bible every night, but I couldn't tell you what I read. Because if you're a Christian, you do what? You read the Bible, you go to church, you mark the things off your list that good Christians do, and you're good standing. Oh, that's a miserable walk. In other words, I read a book on prayer one time and it challenged me to pray an hour every day. I was going to pray an hour every day. So I decided, okay, here I go. I'm going to pray an hour every day. And God would find me asleep usually about five minutes in. Finally, I powered through it, man. And I went two weeks praying an hour every day. And then finally the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, I'll take five sincere minutes over 55 minutes of nothing. Now, when I grew up, I grew up and we used to have a thing called Victory Leaders Band. Anybody? I, we never got instruments. I don't know. <laughs> it was a prayer band. Victory Leaders. Victory Leaders, one of the things they would challenge you and the leaders would say is, how many chapters of the Bible did you read this week, Phil? Man, I had to repent for lying. I don't know how many times. It's, it's like, find the shortest chapter in the Bible and you read it over and over again. 38 chapters. You know. <laughs> Oh, don't even. How many chapters you read this week? You know what? I got a Bible plan, Pastor. I'm reading the Bible through in a complete... I think that's a great challenge for any, anybody that claims to be a Christ follower should try to read the Bible all the way through it sometime in their experience. I believe that's good. But if all you ever do is read through the plan, but the plan... In other words, look, it is not about you reading the Word. It's about the Word reading you. And God says, I would rather have one verse of sincerity get into your heart and your spirit than five chapters where you couldn't tell me what happened. Because, but you can tell me you did it. Are you listening to what I'm saying today? It's about relationship. It's about walking with Him and finding life in Him. Every head bowed for just a moment. Every eye closed in this building. Number one, if you are not saved, you, you are in this room and you're saying, Pastor, I don't have that relationship. I really don't. I don't have the relationship you're talking about. I've missed that boat. It's, it's long gone. And I need a relationship with Jesus. I need to begin my walk with God. I need to give my heart to Jesus. Look, I'm not the kind of pastor. I will not point you out and drag you here. But I want to pray for you, and I will. If you want to come pray, I'll come pray with you. But I'm not going to point you out and embarrass you. But if you're in this room and you need Jesus, this is very serious. Very serious then I want you to acknowledge that today. If you do, I want you just to slip your hand up. No looking around, no talking, and put it right back down. Come on, just slip your hand up. You need to be saved. You don't know you would go to heaven. You really don't know it, and you want to know you could, you're going to go. There's somebody in this room needs to respond. If that's you, raise your hand. Raise your hand. No looking around. No looking around. Now, if you are in this room today, or you're at home today, and you're saying, Pastor, <laughs> I am looking and I need God to speak into my life. I need something to come out of this nothing I'm seeing. I need something to come out of this broken relationship. I need something to come out of this broken bank account. I need something to happen in my family. I need a victory and I don't see it and I prayed and I've given, I need it. I, and that's you and God's spoken to you and he's saying, I'm ready to speak into your life. If you're ready for that, I want you to slip your hand up and put it right back down. Thank you. There's some others. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God's ready to do something in you right now. I'm telling you. That, that outward expression is of an inward decision.
That's what that is. When you raise that hand, that's an outward expression of you deciding something in your spirit. Now, to, now, right now, one last thing. If you're in this room and you're saying, Pastor, I am so ready to trade in this religion for a relationship with Jesus. I am so tired of basing everything I believe off of just the cross experience. I need more than that. I'm ready to be a follower. I'm ready for it to be more than words. I'm ready for my love to become like Jesus said. I'm ready to love the way he loved me. I'm ready for passion to be birthed in my life so that the world might see and desire to know Jesus. I want my life to be that kind of life. If that's you. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you'd like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.